Courtney Vandersloot is Courtney Vandersloot. James Kay was in the building. He can tell us all about it. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hi there and happy Monday to you. I am Howard Megdahl, host of Locked On Women's Basketball. I want to thank you for making us your first listen every day. You can subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel and you can watch us. You can see things like, oh, his beard, it's gone. What happened? Right. That's a whole other story. A lot of transactions this weekend in the WNBA front. But make sure you are listening to us every weekday. Some of the transactions include... For instance, Tina Charles also disappeared, reappearing. And we'll be getting to that on tomorrow's show, of course, with the great M. Adler and Alex Simon. But over the weekend, we had some fascinating times. You're going to read about them over at thenextsoups.com, where James Kay, who does such great work for us on the Skyhook podcast, which you should always be listening to over at the Chicago Tribune. James Take me inside the feels of that building as Courtney Vandersloot hits a game-winning three-point shot to uh, preserve an 88-85 victory. Howard, she just keeps doing this. I mean, this is, what, her second, like, her second, like, buzzer-beater game-winning shot of the season already. Like, we saw it in New York a little while ago. It was incredible because the play wasn't even designed for Courtney Vandersloot to go and hit that three on the wing. This guy run this play all the time at the end of games where they have Ali Quigley inbounding the ball and they pass it off to the wing. It's usually Kalia Copper who then gives the ball to Courtney Vandersloot. She drives towards the baseline. Candace Parker will set a hammer screen or a big will set a hammer screen. And then Ali Quigley is just wide open in the corner. Well, the Lynx defended this so well with Mariah Jefferson really being able to like stop Courtney Vandersloot from getting to the baseline. They overcommit to Emma Miesemann after Courtney Vandersloot hits, passes her the ball. Courtney's wide open on the wing. The rest is history. I mean, big-time players make big-time plays, and that's exactly what Courtney Vandersloot is. What is the Wintrust Arena experience like at this point? When we compare it to even just a few years ago, do you feel like I mean, we're halfway through? this season now have the sky been able to capitalize on this kind of success this kind of star power and has it changed the in arena experience i ask that because the move to win trust in part was talked about as a means to be able to do just that 100 percent. let's even compare it to even last year the difference Hmm. between the crowds this year and last year is just so vast man like it is loud every single game. This I mean the sky sold out their season tickets early on, and you can still see people coming to all the games. You know, yesterday they had seven thousand people. I mean, if I had to guess what their average was last year, it probably wasn't anywhere near that. And we're talking thirty-one about- eighty-seven last year, and this year the average so far. Thank you across the timeline. Thirty-one eighty-seven last year, sixty-six seventy-seven this year. So more than double what they were last year. The pride parade was yesterday in Chicago and they were competing with that. They were competing against it being Sunday night. They were competing against 
the Lynx not being one of the better teams in the league right now, where fans didn't have to show out to that game, and yet they did. And it just shows how much of a culture that they're building here in Chicago. And when trust, you can feel the energy every single night. It's deafening most nights. So it was incredible yeah. last night as well. Beautiful to see it. It is what we need to see around the league is building on success on the court by making sure you're converting it into off the court energy and uh, quite frankly, just bottom line revenue coming in, uh, which can and should be par for the course. But, you know, you look as you take a step back. I know you're working on a notebook piece for us and make sure you go over, obviously, to the nexthoops.com and support what we're doing. It's $9 a month, $72 a year for over 100 reported pieces from our incredible staff every single month. Uh, you know, I, I, our recording of this got delayed by about 15 minutes because there were four different uh, pieces that we were trying to figure out in real time uh, across the staff, which is something uh, that I love, I, you know, a fire hose of the best <laughs> kind. But, you know, to that end, I look again and, you know, one of my go-tos is uh, net rating, you know, to see overall offensive rating, defensive rating, you know, you subtract them out. What are we looking at in terms of the quality of offense and defense that's being put up? And we've checked in on this a couple of times. The Sky are now solidly in third place. Uh, they are at 6.1. Uh, they are one of only six teams with a positive net rating right now. And <laughs> not that far away from the Aces, who they just beat. Let's not forget the other day. How big does that loom now? 13-4 and four for the Aces, 13-5 and five for the Sky. So right there with the Connecticut Sun, 13-6, and six, with a net rating of 9.9. You've made the point previously on the podcasts here that you think Chicago has a really good argument for being the best team in the league when it's all said and done. Do you think you can argue that right now, given where they are in season one metrics and the way they're playing of late? They are the best team in the WNBA. The Aces, I watched the Aces probably the most outside of the sky. And what I've seen from them over the last few games as well is just, they look tired at the, at the end of some of these games. They went to overtime the other night against Washington and you could just tell it's like they're dragging along not having Raquana Williams and not having a bench that they can really turn to for long yeah. stretches of time. And then you look at the sky who played Julie Alamon 20 minutes yesterday where she had her best game of the season and can really, I mean, the way that she takes advantage of early offense just jumps out to me every time she plays and she's just the perfect compliment to Courtney Vandersloot when you know, when Courtney takes a seat and the Sky are going to have fresh legs in the playoffs now. And you can see it every game how they're able to just take advantage of the cohesiveness that they have and also knowing when to spell their players sometime. And it's important for a team that's as old as the Sky are right now. You know, it's fascinating. Becky Hammond came from the San Antonio Spurs while and, and we'll talk a little bit about there's there's this men's league, the NBA, and we'll reference it in a little while. But the Spurs pioneered this stuff about load management, about minutes and watching it. I still remember I did a story years ago and it was uh, o comparing Oklahoma City and the Thunder to the San Antonio Spurs and the way they were doing things on rest. And Popovich was talking about the sports science and everything that was being told. And Scotty Brooks said, Look, I know I have to play my best players the most, 
and uh, I'm going to make sure I play Kevin Durant as often as possible. And I don't know if you've noticed, but Scotty Brooks is no longer the coach of the Oklahoma <laughs> City Thunder, and Kevin Durant is no longer playing in Oklahoma City. So, you know, there's something we said for, and I use that as context because Becky Hammond now in Las Vegas getting a ton of credit, and rightly so, you know, best offense in terms of offensive efficiency. But you just go through Kelsey Plum, 34.5 minutes per game. Jackie Young, 34.5 minutes per game. I mean, that's a ton. De'Arica Hamby's at 30.9. Asia Wilson's at 30. Chelsea Gray's at 29.9. I love this. Chelsea Gray, fifth in minutes played on the Vegas Aces, would be first among the Chicago Sky, where Kalia Copper and Emma Meesman are at 29.2. That cannot be an accident. And the fact that they're all bunched up right there, but below 30, 29.2 for Copper, 29.2 Meesman, 28.6 for Candace Parker, and 26.9, 26.3 for Vanderquidge, respectively. That tells me that 30 feels like a ceiling for what James Wade and the Chicago Sky have in mind. Is that how you see it as well? Absolutely. Corey Vandersloot told me she doesn't want to play more than 30 minutes a game, like or average over 30 minutes a game. And it makes sense. She's been managing a foot injury. I want to put that to rest too. And because I think I've brought that up a couple of times, she looks great. I don't think that injuries are stopping her from being one of the best guards in the league. I know all-star voting might say otherwise, but you know, we know how the voters, the reality that some voters don't actually watch all these games. Um, So, you know, Courtney Vandersloot played 16 minutes against the Sparks the other night where they they can just dominate teams early on and they can just, you know, go to the bench a little bit earlier. I mean, we saw a lineup yesterday of Julie Aleman, Dana Evans, and Rebecca Gardner going one through three. I mean, that I mean, they're playing around with that. They hadn't practiced that lineup before yesterday. And but they can do these type of things. They have so much depth where you can experiment and tinker in game that. You can let Courtney Vandersloot, I mean, she was probably the most important player on the court yesterday for the Sky. She played 29 minutes and still put up 18, 5, and 6. She didn't look tired at all during at any point during this, the game yesterday. And there have been times over the last couple of years where you see the Sky, like, kind of, you know, the energy isn't as high at the end of the game just because they've been playing so much. And it's just been a completely different team this year. I mean, this is the strongest I've seen this guy since I started covering them in 2018. And so I want to talk about the flip side of that, which is the bench. And we're also going to get into Candace Parker as well. Um, a young up and coming player who I think has a chance to be great. But I first want to talk about rock auto uh, because this episode is brought to you by rock auto. There's an ever increasing numbers of make and models when it comes to cars. So it's almost impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on the computer. You could just order the parts in their computer where RockAuto.com, and you're not paying a markup. You can make sure it's exactly the part that you need. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. So to return to your point about how they're using the bench, right? Rebecca Gardner, 17 games played, averaging 22.4 minutes a game. Azure Stevens, 
17 games played, averaging 21.9 minutes. And they got Dana, Julie, are both north of 14. And I use those numbers very clearly to illustrate the following. Chicago, uh, Las Vegas has one player who has been there for a preponderance of the games and is averaging more than 15 minutes per game off the bench. And it's Teresa plays on. So it's 16.6, you know, Tia Stotes is at 13.2. Everyone else is in single digits. Now Verquana Williams, presumably when she comes back, is going to be a part of that, but you got to see her back and see her healthy. Uh, Ileana Rupert has a chance to be, she's played one game so far, but the reason I say that is it's not just a question of keeping your best players fresh. We are a month and a half from the playoffs and Chicago feels set up to be able to get critical minutes from their bench and critical contributions in a way that Las Vegas really doesn't at this point. Is that how you see that as part of the reason why there's separation between these two? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why when the sky were mounting that comeback, I, I wasn't sure that was actually going to happen just because I thought, okay, the Vegas was able to go to the bench earlier than they usually go to it. And they were going to spell their starters some minutes there. It just ended up being completely the opposite where then this guy really put on the pressure the second, third quarter. And, hmm. you know, I just think about in a, in a five game playoff series, can the aces beat this guy three times? I would bet no, because they're very, you, you know what they're going to bring you every time out there on the floor because they only play five to six players a game, you know? So mm-hmm. it is going to be really interesting just to see how those two match up later on in the season. But yeah, the sky go 11 deep if they want to. Like, I think Lee Yaru is someone that we might see get some more minutes in the playoffs when they play like a bigger front court in, like, let's just take Connecticut, for example. Like, the sky. You look at everyone on the roster and everyone has a role and they know how to maximize their the talent of each of those players. Like Dana Evans can be a heat check player for you. Julie Aleman can push pace for you in the second unit. Ezra Stevens can be a starter in this league. She is the sixth starter on this team. She is the person when Candice or MM need rest, they can put Ezra Stevens in and they can just continue to run the same type of offense that they have. I mean, it's just, this is a well-oiled machine. And when I look at the rest of the W, they, all these other teams have more questions to answer than the Sky do at this point. Like, could let me throw this to you. Like, what do you do? You have any concerns about the Sky right now? Like, what do you think would be the biggest one if if anything comes to mind? The the biggest concern I have for the Chicago Sky is just that they have a number of veterans and keeping them healthy. And which is to yeah. say that you can have the best laid plans. And it still comes down to injuries can come up or uh, players can be more limited at critical times. And they have a number of players north of 30 uh, where that would be, if not catastrophic for the kind of depth they have. I mean, you know, potentially problematic. But even still, I, I think they've done all they can do. You know, that's essentially out of your hands. You can protect them. You can limit their minutes. You can make sure that they're as rested as possible while also making sure that you get the right seating. And I do think that's worth noting, by the way, yes. that, you know, if you take a look, and, and I was looking at this, and I, I do just want to, you know, we, we have our share of complaints about uh, the league and things they do or don't do, but I'm thrilled 
beyond belief that they have adjusted their playoff format, that there is no one and done, that we're dead in series from the start. I love that we're going to a straight one eight two seven three six four five playoff formatting. But what does that mean in practical terms? You look at it right now. I know I said there were six teams with a positive net rating. You know, Dallas at nine and ten is just barely hanging on to that one point oh. We have a lot of Dallas questions. By the way, make sure you check out. Uh, we're going to have a call to action uh, over on social. Uh, Ari Graham, who does a great job covering the Dallas Wins for us at the next hoops.com, uh, is going to be doing a mailbag this week. So if you have Dallas Wins questions, make sure you send her, send them her way at WNBA Love, uh, which is obviously an elite, elite Twitter handle. But what does that mean in practical terms, right? Well, if you're the four, Oh my God, you got to face the Washington Mystics and Elena Deladon in round one. But if you're the three, you get the Dallas wins in round one. Well, that seems like <laughs> a pretty big difference. You know, seven and eight are right now in New York and Atlanta. Uh, you know, LA's there at the nine spot. I guess Phoenix is hanging on. Let's not rule out the Minnesota Lynch uh, who figure stuff out and have, you know, the brilliant basketball mind of Cheryl Reeve at the helm. Uh, so you never rule them out until they're officially eliminated. Uh, Indiana, I'm sure, is perfectly happy to continue to show incremental growth and hold on to that lottery pick. But that's a whole other story. Bottom line is staying in the top three is a very big deal yeah. this time around. And so they can't just rest folks and hope for that to work out. They need to make sure that they're staying in that top three. It's a balance. And I feel like as well as any other uh, WNBA team, they're striking that balance. I think in answer to, you know, there are fewer questions. Uh, Connecticut doesn't have a lot of questions in my mind. I think uh, they definitely are down a level without Jasmine Thomas, as expected. Uh, Natisha Heidemann is uh, a a very solid point guard for them. uh, But that, you know, asking to live up to Jasmine Thomas is asking a lot. She's in a lot of ways the beating heart of that team. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think there's a very good argument for them having fewer questions and uh, a clear path right now. It'll it'll help, though, to be one or two or three. Uh, somebody that four or five, you know, right now it's Seattle versus uh, D.C. I mean, Stewie versus EDD in the first round of the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. That'd be so great. And let's see what oh. Tina Charles does for them. You know, yes, and as our our MAP were reported over the weekend, going to be very interesting to see what Tina Charles does for them or you know against them, according to some <laughs> members of the Phoenix Mercury. <laughs> uh, well, I want to talk about this up and coming. I, I, I mean, again, like few people have heard of her. She doesn't really get a lot of press, but Candace Parker is someone who I think we need to put a spotlight on. But first. <laughs> I want to talk to you about Bet Online because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. And I know I've talked about this on the podcast, but it bears repeating. BetOnline.net has had NCAA women's basketball odds. They have WNBA odds. They are not just giving you men's sports the way you see a lot of these betting line companies do. It is your continued source source for, and they say all your sports wagering info right here in the ad copy. But I love that I'm able to say that. I couldn't look you in the eye and tell you that. Uh, Live betting, esports, scores, they remain your best spot to check out all your favorite sports and events. And we have favorite sports and events that don't always get that treatment. So it means a lot to me. 
Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So again, this Candace Parker person, tell me more. I'm just, you know, not really familiar, but I, it seems like she's doing well for you, uh, you know, for, for uh, the Chicago Sky, uh, right? You know, is she a guard? Is she a forward? Is she a center? It's hard to tell from, you know, the type of line she's putting up. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up, Howard, before the podcast so I could do some research. Um, she was drafted in 2008 and um, found herself on the sky now. And, yeah, she put up her second triple-double of the season, which, <laughs> no, I mean, Candace is an all-time great for a reason. And it feels like anytime there's a big moment that where she can send a message to the league or to whoever, I mean, I think about that all-star game voting um, and how the players voted for her, I'm like, mm-hmm. wow. Um, I don't know how you could watch this season and not – think that she is a WNBA all-star, but again, the politics and that is something we don't have to get into now. What she mm-hmm. did against the Sparks was just incredible because the part that of the triple-double that she was struggling to get to was points. Like, she was mm-hmm. already, like, she was throwing the ball around across the court against the Sparks early on. She think she had, I think she had nine rebounds after the first quarter or something crazy like that. And she, I mean, she ended up getting a triple-double without even having to play in the fourth. So it's pretty incredible what she's been able to do at her age right now. And it makes you wonder if she is going to retire after this season. Like I think about after the first triple double, you know, even honestly, even beyond that, even after the first few games of the season where she actually looks like an MVP candidate too. I'm like, how can you leave the game of basketball when you're playing at this high of a level and the difference between her on the court defensively for the sky versus her off the court. I mean, that it's a pretty big difference. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a pretty big difference where like heading into that aces game. I mean, the sky had a 92, no, yeah, like a 92.6 defensive rating with her on the court versus like one Oh three without her. I mean, the difference between her being on, on and off the court is pretty big. So what she did against the sparks against her former team, just incredible stuff. Just another thing to add to her long list of accolades. Other players, some other players clearly don't like her. I remember a few years ago, the athletic had a most overrated player vote and Parker was the most overrated player uh, voted for that back in her sports days. A couple of things I just want to note about it because uh, I do, I, I have a deep abiding love for the fact that we got the chance to cover Candace Parker's career. And it's something that I think is going to matter to future generations that we were able to do that. One is that I remember standing with her talking one-on-one in Connecticut in a time that it seemed like Candace Parker's career was headed towards an unsatisfying conclusion. The fact that she was not fully appreciated for the player she had become. The athletic piece had come out earlier that year and the Sparks obviously were not putting the right team around her. And so to see her be able to have this type of coda on her career, whether she plays beyond this year or not, and I hope she does just selfishly uh, because the basketball is better when Candace Parker is in it. In the same way that selfishly you hope when you're watching the NBA that Candace Parker is involved with the broadcast in some way. Because she runs circles around a lot of the other people who do that work. Uh, but seeing her do this, to cap a career, like you said, I mean, there's this great irony. You talked about she did that uh, against the Sparks. One of my favorite stat uh, facts about Candace Parker is she once led 
the WNBA in assist percentage. The league, not among bids, she led the league to assist percentage. I want to say it was like 42 one year, simply because the Sparks hadn't done a competent job of putting a team around her, and she was effectively needed to be their point guard. And Parker has been this throughout her career. So there's a different year where she led the lead in rebounding percentage. There was a different year than either of those where she led the lead in block percentage. And she simply, I, I almost feel like the Sparks took advantage of that to an unfortunate extent for many years. And rather than build a team to maximize Candace Parker, it was building a team and then they just plugged in Candace Parker uh, wherever the team had its own shortcomings. And I don't think it's a, as a result, it was not surprising that she didn't win a title uh, for the first seven, eight years of her career, yet that was hung around her neck. Like that was somehow her fault instead of the team that was being put around her. So seeing her get this opportunity and see again, I, I just feel like James Wade has built this roster to maximize Candace in a way that I know Mike Tebow did in D.C., maximized his roster around Elena Deladon's prime in much the same way. The complications in D.C., of course, have been Elena's limitations in terms of how often she is available. But she and Candace, healthy, available, and playing at this high level, boy, it, it, it sure would be great if we got to see her beyond this year. But certainly we're getting the opportunity to this year already, and that means a lot. Yeah, I feel like I've been, I catch myself trying not to think too much about next year, even with the Phoenix Mercury pick that this guy have, where you're seeing the Mercury. They just lost Tina Charles, who was like – at least putting up points for them. Um, and now, you know, I mean, that team is, I don't know where it's going to go after this. I know they're trying to remain positive, but, you know, I, I try to catch myself not to get too far ahead because the Sky are really just focused on this season. Like anytime I bring up next season to them, they're like, we well, are focused on winning a championship, James. Stop asking me about this <laughs> stuff, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I like to think that we'll see Candace in a Sky uniform, but I'm just trying to enjoy it as much as we can before you know, she calls it a career, whether that's next year or beyond that. A thing I try to do as a reporter is every time I go in to see one of these truly transcendent players to understand this might be the last time I get to. You know, now mm -hmm. in some cases, like when I covered uh, Sue Bird's return to New York uh, last weekend, you have warning and you understand that. But look, I walked out of the 2019 WNBA finals when Elena Deladon had been crowned a champion and it didn't even occur to me that I would go years without being able to see her perform in person. And, um, you know, it is just the case again and again with these players. And so I, I think you have the right handle on it, you know, in much the same way that, uh, you know, over in, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to look it up in the NBA, <laughs> the NBA, apparently there, you know, there are transcendent players uh, that I've heard, about like uh, Steph Curry uh, is apparently uh, a player in one of in, in this league may have won a championship just now. And so I, I do want to thank you listeners for making locked on women's basketball your first listen every day. Uh, but I do want to bring your attention to this. There's been uh, a draft held uh, in the NBA, which is uh, the National Basketball Association, a place where uh, men are at long last getting the chance to play professionally. And so for your second listen, I would urge you to get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA is your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. They've got uh, free agency coming up, which as I understand it, uh, they've structured similarly 
to how the WNBA does it from February 1st, that their July 1st is like uh, the WNBA's February 1st. So it should be interesting. Uh, James, I, I, I hear, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there is, a, there is an NBA team right in your market, right in your hometown, right? I would have to Google it, but that sounds right. Um, mm-hmm. And the Steph Curry guy you mentioned before, I have to Google that one too. That's Does he play crazy. for the, it's the Bulls, the Chicago Bulls? Does he play for them? Um, I'm going to just go with yes. I don't know off the top of my head, but that sounds right. Yeah, he plays for the, the Chicago I, Bulls. I, yeah. I just Googled it. It doesn't sound like, no, but they did. They had, the Bulls had this Allie Quigley-like person um, named Michael Jordan some years ago, who apparently did quite well. So Wow, yeah. Michael Jordan is the Allie Quigley of the NBA. That sounds about right. What I've, I've been led to understand. Well, James K., I, I appreciate all of your, women's basketball knowledge and, and here even, you know, some, some men's basketball stuff too, which is great to see. And, you know, we kid, we, we, we love the NBA. It's a perfectly logical way to get from one WNBA season to another. So thank you for your time. Everyone, make sure you're following him. I, if you're not watching on YouTube, I want to shout it out at James underscore M underscore K. Uh, he is always worth your time. And uh, I am grateful for the chance to work with you every day, James. Same here, Howard. Thank you so much for having me on again. My pleasure. And make sure you tune in tomorrow for Tina Charles and Seattle Storm Talk with M. Adler and Alex Simon. Until then, I am Howard Meddahl wishing you a wonderful Monday. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.